Hello, everyone. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome Amber Romaniuk. Thank you, Amber, for being here. Thank you for having me, Marilyn. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. And I'm really, really excited uh, to have you today because I think we're going to discuss topics that I haven't covered in the podcast yet. Uh, to give a bit of background to the listeners, you're an expert on emotional eating, but also on digestive and hormone hormones, which is, uh, you know, a very important aspect. Your podcast, uh, without it goes without saying, the No Sugar Coating podcast has over one million downloads. So well done. Well, it's Thank really you. really great. You have also ten years of experience helping women. Um, working on body confidence, on their intuition, and like shifting the mindset to healing, self-care, and overcoming self-sabotage, which I feel will be very relevant for today's uh, episodes. So welcome, Amber. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited for our chat today. This is an advert for BetterHelp. So if you're listening to this podcast and thinking there are things I need to unlock in order to overcome emotional eating, then BetterHelp is for you. BetterHelp, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, is an online platform that connects you to a suited therapist. You answer a few questions about yourself and the angle you want to focus on, and they will match you with a therapist. You can switch if you want to, completely free of charge, if your first match is not a good fit. And I personally know that starting therapy can be overwhelming. I was so scared and ashamed in my first few months. But then when I realized how it changed my life, I wanted everyone to benefit from this magic too. So with better help, there is less friction to start therapy. I will put the link in the show notes with all the details. Basically, it's betterhelp.com slash EEM. And by using this link, you help support my podcast and you get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. And I truly believe that therapy will help you understand the layers of your emotional eating. And as I say, it all starts with awareness, awareness and awareness. So for 10% off your first month, you just need to click on the link in the show notes or visit betterhelp.com slash EEM. Thank you again, BetterHelp, for supporting this channel. So what are we discussing today? Today we're discussing the kind of back to school, back to work, you know, mindset. In French, there is a say called la rentrée. It's like coming back, whether you're a kid or an adult or whatever, it's like this concept that can be very exciting, but very challenging, very triggering. Because we know that, you know, there it's not easy. It's not always easy. Uh, there's pressure. There's maybe you've, you were triggered. And also it could be, you know, overwhelming. And the aim is after the podcast, hopefully you will feel maybe empowered or maybe reassured that you will have some tools and you can do this. Um, and we will try to follow as much as possible three pillars. The first one is the understanding. Why are uh, the holidays so hard emotionally? What are the triggers and things like that? Then we will try to talk about um, the not just the emotional eating part, like the you know psychological part, but also, Amber, because you're an expert on hormones, what shifts, what kind of hormones shifts during the holidays and what are the reasons? And then finally, of course, we're not going to leave you without tools. So we're going to give you tools because the back to school, back to work is you can, whether it, probably you're listening now in September, but you can also listen to it after Thanksgiving, after Christmas, you know, there's, it's like an endless, uh, you know, cycle. Mm -hmm. So 
I guess I want to ask you my first question for you, Amber. Why do you feel the holidays are so effing hard? <laughs> yeah, and they are when we're stuck in so many of these things that we're going to talk about today. So I feel like one of the biggest reasons, well, two. The first one is when you are in a emotional relationship with food, if you're emotionally eating, binge eating, overeating, you're tempted by food, well, it's everywhere. Like, all the Halloween candy came out in the grocery stores a month ago. And so for those people who have sugar addiction or are very much, you know, very tied to sugar. And as soon as they see it, they want to buy it. That visual is very hard to say no to. So from August until like March, because we have Canadian Thanksgiving, Halloween, American Thanksgiving. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have Thanksgiving over in Europe? And then Christmas, new year and then valentine's right so there's all these like chocolate candy like right holidays with all this stuff and people are are so addicted to it because the ingredients in the food is so addictive so that's the first one is that it can be so hard to walk past it if you've been in this dynamic where you're using food as a coping mechanism the second is i think it's really hard because people put way too much on their plate commitment wise, right? Like you're working, you have a business, you have a family, you have kids. And now all of a sudden there's this pressure, right? To host a bunch of events or go to a bunch of different things and to have your family over for two weeks and maybe they stay and there's like emotional tension between, you know what I mean? Like, and, and like buying your kids the gifts for Christmas and like spending a lot of money and, I find it really can get overwhelming when we overcommit if we're like a people pleaser or an overgiver and we don't know how to say no and we don't know how to set healthy boundaries. And the beauty of doing this healing and doing this work is that it doesn't have to be the stressful, oh my gosh, dreading this season when we set things up to support our greatest good too. But a lot of people don't consider themselves. And then we just end up with adrenal fatigue by the time the new year comes and, you know, because the stress levels have been so high. So those to me are the two biggest reasons that I see. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I really want to talk about the sugar addiction, maybe at the end for tools, because um, it's hard when people have this, you know, relationship with food and you don't like what's the the best balance for you in terms of not restricting, but also giving your body things that, you know, the body can cope with Mm -hmm. so there's this thing and it's very interesting for the other thing that you said you know for people pleasers and people that put too much on their plate Mm -hmm. um i was seeing it's because basically i'm based in london and a lot of people in london they go away for it for the holidays yeah usually they go away and they see their families uh, all the triggers and the homecoming uh, you know experience but also it seems also from your perspective that I really like is that also, even if you stay at home, it's still challenging. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it is because, you know, and I used to do this before I healed. It's like, oh, I'm going to buy everyone presents. And then I'm like racking up my credit card. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to do all these things. I've got to commit to all these things. And I'm putting all this unnecessary pressure on myself. No one's doing it but me, but because I need to people please and get validation from others that I'm good enough because I don't feel good enough, that unworthiness leads us to behave in ways that we wouldn't if we felt good enough and we knew our limits, right? So we often will overgive and overcompensate and then end up with a massive bill come January and like just this stress of like, oh my gosh, I overdid it. So I think it's so important to understand and become start to become aware of 
are you that person that really deep down knows I'm overdoing it and maybe I should set some boundaries or just step back a little bit. But then when the time comes, like I get so in my head and I justify why I should keep over like doing all of it. Right. And then that, I call that the ego mind, the negative limiting voice in the Mm -hmm. mind that will just convince us, Oh, just like buy the chocolate early. Like you won't eat it, but just have it in a case. And then you're like picking away through it in the closet. And then it's like, Oh, well you need to buy that person something. Cause they like made you a jar of jam a year ago. And like all this just of, you know what I mean? It's like ridiculous, but we're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like better do that. Cause I don't upset anyone. I don't let anyone down. You know, I'll, I'll have the chocolate now. Cause I'll, I won't eat it. And then we do, it's it just like, we know better, but that voice is so strong. And if we let that voice keep leading us, we're out of our power, which we can talk more about what that feels like. But the more out of our power we are, the more easy it is for us to give in to the food and use food as a coping mechanism, as well as, again, overgiving, people pleasing, going into a perfection mentality, going, I'm going to diet through the holidays so that I don't have to eat any, you know what I mean? Don't have to eat anything. And then don't have to try and explain to anyone why I'm not eating these foods. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's so true. The perfectionism also for Halloween, especially like in the US, it's like more and more in the UK, it's like you have to have the best Halloween part, like the best Halloween decoration, the best Halloween, especially if you have kids, it's like I need to be the best. Yeah, there's more pressure, right? Being in the parent, like how you like present all these things to your child, like we need to take the pressure off. Yeah. (laughs) And um, how would you... You know, when you talked about the ego mind or, you know, all those thoughts in our mind about people pleasing. And it's so funny, this thing about the, the, the jam jar, probably it all it happens to all of us. And probably yeah. we don't care about that person that gave us the jar. And anyway, we yeah. didn't want the jar first place, yeah. but still we feel this pressure to give it, to you know, return yeah. the like, uh, favor. How yeah. would you recognize this voice in your head? Yeah, so some ways that you can start to build awareness around giving your power away and being in your head and being in your power and living in your heart. When we're in our head and that ego voice takes over, we're usually going into negative emotions, fear, worry, pressure, obligation, justification, right? Oh, I need to get this for this person because they got me that jar jam. Oh, uh, it's, you know what? Get the chocolates now. Like I know Halloween's still two months away, but it'll be fine out of sight, out of mind, but you're literally walking by them every day, getting clothes out of your closet and then you're grabbing one, right? So the ego wants to convince that either self-sabotage is a good idea or that shame on you that you did that and you ate too much chocolate today and now you better get Mm -hmm. on that diet. It shames you and it wants, it encourages you to go into self-sabotage. It's the part of you that will be critical of your body and be upset if you get on the scale and you don't lose weight or you're plateauing. It's the part of you that goes into perfection, rigidity with diets or with food or your body or any area of life. It's the part of you that pressures you yet that you have to be the perfect mom, right? And you have to have the perfect party for Halloween or whatever. So it's very disempowering and it very much drains us. So when we give our power away, negative self-talk, negative emotions, stress, pressure, justification, criticism, comparison. Okay. Now, Physically, when we give our power away, we feel feel an energy drain, may feel a tightness in your chest, a headache, a twinge in your stomach. Maybe your breathing gets a little shallower. You feel anxiety because as soon as you give your power away to your ego and you go into your head, you, you go into a stress response. And that means your 
essentially going into fight or flight and your body's producing stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline, even though there's no bear and there's no threat, the ego is like stress, stress, stress. So that's what it feels like when we give our power away. Some examples now when we're in our power, which we live more in the heart. Okay. Mm. So this is where we have awareness. We may hear the ego justifying why we should buy the Halloween candy. Now I'll just keep using that example. And like, honestly, I don't really need it yet. It's going to literally be in the store for the next like six weeks. I'll get it when it's closer. Right. So we, we, we catch the justification and we go, no, that actually doesn't make sense. Um, or, you know, the pressure to have the perfect Halloween party or the perfect Christmas party. You're like, no, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to overdo it. And I'm going to let go of it needing to look a certain way. Cause this is just about memories and like creating this beautiful Mm -hmm. memory. (laughs) Excuse me. Sorry. (laughs) My throat, um, throat chakra. I'm just going to take a drink of water. (laughs) That's just part of being real in the podcast. Oh my gosh. Totally. So when we're in our power, we will not be hard on ourselves. We'll encourage ourselves. We'll celebrate ourselves. We'll be proud. We will do good things for ourselves and we'll prioritize ourselves and consider ourselves through navigating our day and our lives. Um, we will catch negative self-talk and shift it. So we feel more open as well. So your shoulders will sit back more. You'll feel more calm, more grounded, more at ease, more happy, joy, gratitude. That's what power is. And so a lot of people don't realize they've been living their whole life, letting their ego lead the way, and they don't know what it feels like to be in their power. And so a big part of what helps us heal our relationship with food, our body, regulate hormones, digestion, build self-love and worthiness, and, and stop the people pleasing and all these things that we're talking about is to learn what both feel like, and then learn what to do to take your power back. And yeah, life is so much more free. <laughs> yeah, it was one of my questions because um, a lot of the listeners, the, especially the one like the, listening to my podcast, they're at the beginning of their journey and emotional eating by itself is like shutting down, like numbing your body. Yeah. So it, it's hard sometimes like to, to know uh, when the ego mind is here, like even the thoughts, like some of, some of the listeners and me, for example, when I started, I didn't know what uh, anxiety felt like I didn't know what yeah. happens and then what you gave is examples of how to recognize in the body mm-hmm. like I took uh, I took notes like energy drain and breathing and chest can you repeat them for the listeners so that they yeah. can maybe take notes or something for sure so when we're in our power we're going to feel more relaxed in our body our muscles are going to feel more relaxed our shoulders are going to sit back more you're going to feel calm peace grounded your digestion, everything's just going to feel at ease. Your body's going to feel relaxed. You're going to feel energized. Okay. Versus when you give your power away to your ego, you're going to have an energy drain or a twinge in your stomach, anxiety, a headache. You're going to feel tighter. Your muscles will feel tighter. Your shoulders will be forward more. You feel contracted. So those are some of the biggest differences I see physically. Um, So this is where getting into things like a self-care practice, where if you're feeling out of your power, like there's a variety of different tools we can talk about, but a self-care practice to help you clear out these negative emotions or whatever you're feeling helps you get back into your power or to ground you and relax you, calm your mind, right? Like meditation or breath or journal prompts or getting out into nature, or maybe you need to beat up your pillow and scream into it because you're just so angry and that's how you get it out. Like there's many ways that are so effective to help us if we really feel we're in our heads 
And it's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be in my head anymore, but I'm not sure what to do. Self-care practices, even just a few minutes can be so beneficial to help us take our power back. Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting. So that was the, I guess the emotional part of like, yeah, all the emotions that can lead to emotion eating. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested in how uh, food that we eat during the holiday, not just food, but everything during the holidays affect our hormone and could eventually lead to emotional eating or increase the emotional eating uh, cycle. Yeah, totally. So one of the biggest things that this time of year will impact is called the cortisol. Cortisol is your stress hormone. You produce it in your adrenal glands, which are two little walnut shaped glands in the middle of your back. Um, And what ends up happening? Well, we overcommit, we overbook, we put pressure on, we add too much to our plate. We're mindlessly picking away at those Halloween chocolates that turn into the, you know, Christmas chocolates being out in November and we're out more, right? Socializing more. And it's not a bad thing to be out socializing and go to parties and be around people you really want to be around. But we often will overdo it and stay up too late, drink more alcohol. We're not drinking enough water. We throw our self-care routines out the window, right? And then we end up coming out the other side of the new year, new year, feeling bloated and tired and clothes don't fit properly, feeling puffy, all that stuff. But cortisol goes up usually. And so often many people already have high cortisol and it just gets amplified during this time because of everything I've just mentioned. And so signs that your cortisol is really elevated or even far too low, because it could be on either side, are really a lot of fatigue a lot of low energy, Um, no matter how much you sleep, you wake up and you still feel tired, brain fog, abdominal weight gain, troubles losing weight, um, feeling puffy and retaining a lot of water, which this is inflammation, more sensitive digestion, low sex drive, irregular cycles. Um, The list kind of goes on, but those are some of the most common symptoms along with more sugar, carb and salt cravings. Our blood sugar gets more sensitive. So you may notice you get hangry really fast and, and, you know, then it's like, oh my gosh, now I got too hungry and I just want to eat everything. And then you overeat. So where I, I find cortisol levels being really high. And I went through this when I was binge eating and over exercising, mine were so high and my blood sugar was so sensitive. And so this amplified my cravings and it made it much easier for me to emotionally eat and binge because my blood sugar was so out of whack and essentially, you know, you're supposed to, you know, eat re- if you eat regularly through the day and you have regulated cortisol, you will not have all of a sudden these urges for intensive hunger or really intense sugar cravings or stuff like that. But when your cortisol is really off and your blood sugar is like peaking and dropping into the biggest spikes and drops, you have this heightened urge for food and cravings that just are harder to shut off. And so Having high cortisol, which messes with the blood sugar and fuels your cravings, that's an emotional eating trigger because it's amplifying, right? And and if we don't know that's going on, we just think, oh, I have this craving, I'm going to give into it. Or, oh, I'm so hungry, let me eat the first thing I can. And as soon as we do that, like, oh man, why did I eat that chocolate? Or why did I eat that bag of chips? Well, I've messed up today, so now I'm going to eat whatever I want. And that can trigger the all or nothing mentality. And that just triggers more emotional eating. Um, the other thing that I see with hormones is once that cortisol starts to go off, it can negatively impact our thyroid. And then we end up with hair loss, eyebrow thinning, cold hands and feet, easy weight gain, troubles losing, 
irregular appetite. So now maybe you don't have a hunger signal and you don't know what feeling hungry feels like. So you don't eat as much because you think, well, I shouldn't eat. I'm not hungry. But actually, if we skip breakfast, if we skip meals, because we're not getting a hunger signal, we actually suppress our metabolism more and our thyroid and metabolism are very connected. And then you end up making it easier to gain weight or later in the day, you get so hungry, you binge because you didn't eat enough through the first half of the day. Now your blood sugar is plummeting. So I see the thyroid also being impacted. And part of it is because when our cortisol is high, those adrenal glands that produce it get tired of producing it. Okay. And so then the body goes, well, we need to steal other hormones to convert into cortisol to keep you in the stress response. So it steals thyroid hormones, other um, sex hormones like estrogen and progesterone. But again, with this thyroid picture, usually the thyroid goes more sluggish and all the symptoms I just mentioned. The last reason for this is because usually we're eating a lot of inflammatory things, a lot of refined sugar, alcohol, MSG, aspartame, more processed foods, and eating an abundance of these, especially if you already have inflammation or a hormone imbalance just makes it worse. And so the more inflammation we have, the more it suppresses the thyroid, the more it stresses out the body, the more puffy you're going to feel, the more water you retain. Um, if you have any kind of chronic pain or autoimmune, usually that will get worse. Old injuries, joint pain gets worse. If you have any eczema, psoriasis or skin breakouts or issues, those will get worse. Um, so these are all signs of inflammation. So those are the things that I most commonly see um, with hormones and this time of year. Oh, wow. Interesting. So I mean, yeah, I put so many, I have so many notes. It's and deep. I have so many <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's deep yeah so so cortisol i just want to repeat some of the things that i noted for the listeners yeah if you have you said either elevated or low cortisol the symptoms could be fatigue low energy brain fog uh weight around the belly area mm -hmm. irregular cycle and craving to uh carbs and sugar this is also is it a sign um, so I'm a pharmacist, by the way, but I'm not an expert on hormones at all. So I will rely on you. Is it this also a sign of pre-diabetes or diabetes as well? I mean, it could be, but nine times out of 10, when I get my clients to get testing done and we do like glucose fasting and insulin and cortisol, it's the cortisol that's coming up. Wow. Yeah. And how long do you think, I mean, I don't know if there is an answer, but how long do you think the body can withhold this high cortisol? until it like yes I'm out yeah so it can hold it for quite a while like my so to give you an example here in Canada the normal level for cortisol is about 350 I was at 2000 wow so I don't I'm honestly surprised my body didn't give out on me because that was extreme um yeah. and it was high like that for probably a few years but I was exhausted like I had all the symptoms like in a very extreme way um, and then luckily I was overcoming it and started to really work on healing my body. And so I was able to or like bring it down and regulate, but it can be for a really long time. And the unfortunate thing is the longer that it's elevated, we get that right exhaustion. The body becomes depleted of cortisol and then it starts to negatively impact the thyroid, the progesterone, the estrogen. It depletes our minerals because we're burning through them because our body's in the stress response. So your B12, which is your energy vitamin your iron, which is important for energy as well. All these become depleted. So essentially it stays high for a really long time. And all this depletion happens in the body and you just suffer more. Your symptoms get worse. Now you have infertility. Maybe now you are 
you know, early risk for type two diabetes. And it's actually tied to all this hormone and inflammation issues going on in the body. Um, And then what ends up happening eventually is if we don't address it, then the adrenal glands go into a burnout. So we go from a fatigue to a burnout, which is where the levels get too low, which we can still, if the person wants to work on it, we can still bring them back up and, and regulate. But there are some people I've never had this. I've always been able to help everyone, but I've talked to women who have said that they went through a period of time where they literally, their adrenal glands stopped producing cortisol or it was so low. They had to go on an artificial like, oh, wow. Yeah. Br- because they're yeah. so burned out and it co- gets to the point where you can barely get out of bed and we don't want that. So this is where, you know, if you have these symptoms, if you're struggling with emotional eating, if you're the overbooked people, pleaser, like, are you willing to work on this, whether you start working it on yourself or you get support, because these issues will just add up if we don't address the root causes. And it just causes you a lot of suffering and you don't, it's unnecessary. You don't need it. And then it eventually, it just increases our chances of getting all kinds of diagnoses that we don't want. The other thing people don't realize with high cortisol is it significantly suppresses our immune system. So I, I used to catch everything under the sun and I'd be sick for weeks. Now I never get sick because my immune system is optimal. My gut's optimal and my hormones are in a pretty good place, but the higher cortisol gets, the more it suppresses our immune system. And it just makes you more susceptible to colds and flus and all kinds of different things. And so that's the other thing I see coming into this time of year is people get sick. Now, I more so think it's because of all the sugar people start consuming because of all the junk out in the stores and because the cortisol levels are high back to school, back to work, right? Planning for the rest of the year. And that all suppresses the immune system. So if we don't know that our stress levels are high and that it's impacting our immunity and we're eating all the things that are going to, cause sugar suppresses your immune system a lot as well. Right. So if we're doing all the things that are just going to encourage that, then that stresses us out even more. Cause then you're sick and you have to take time off and right. Like it's, yeah. it just feels this whole cycle. It's interesting because also like for the listeners, sometimes if they want to say no, uh, you know, and they don't want to be a people pleaser, if they think of this, uh, you know, biologic and physical reper- uh, repercussions, then hopefully there's less guilt, you know, to to say no. Yeah, and I I think it's important to ask yourself, what is it costing me to continue yeah. to say yes when I really want to say no? What is it costing me to keep people pleasing or to keep emotionally eating and not deal with this? Yeah, because it costs us a lot physically, mentally, energetically, and financially. It costs yeah. us a lot. It's so true. And for the cortisol, I mean, synthetic cortisol is given in all uh, diseases where there's uh, the immune system is too high, like autoimmune disease and things to shut down the immune system. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense. What about those people that maybe it could be for different reasons it could be let's say for reasons like emotional childhood trauma and everything they can't do it and just hearing all the negative repercussions of doing this emotional eating they feel even more guilty mm-hmm. even more ashamed right so I think the first thing is to try and tell yourself like it's not your fault like emotional eating in my opinion was something created by all these big systems, by the big food mm-hmm. industry. They make the food addicted on, addictive on purpose, um, the diet and fitness industry, because they sell you all these quick fix band-aid approaches that they know don't work, that they know don't resolve your issue. And there's a reason that the diet industry is a multi-trillion dollar a year industry, because they know you're going to fail and come back for more. 
Yeah. They want you as a lifetime customer. And then we have Hollywood in the media who has completely skewed and morphed our image of what a healthy body image is with all their editing and Photoshopping of their videos, their photos yeah. and the celebrities. In my opinion, Hollywood is a horrible influence. On yeah. And in movies, it's horrible. But, yeah. And they all eat. <laughs> yeah. And of course they all emotionally eat in the movies because they know how to influence our subconscious mind. And so yeah. they have Reese Witherspoon who just got broken up with, in, yeah. you know, and she's oh my God, they always talk about this. chocolate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then in the ad first, I remember Spotify, one of the ads used to be just go ahead, eat the pint of ice cream. Like they're enabling emotional eating yeah. and binge eating. And so what's important for people to understand that are listening to this is it's so created outside of you. It's not your fault. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just that it is so deep and there's so many layers to address. So try to have some compassion for yourself. I think whilst it's like, oh my gosh, this is so much and it negatively impacts me. Sometimes it's good to understand how this could be impacting you because it lights a fire under your butt to go, oh my gosh, maybe I need to try and do something whether it's on my own or to get support to help me shift this. Because anytime in my podcast, I'm talking about these are the impacts. What is it costing you? Like this is the also the freedom and ease available for you on the other side. Each approach impacts someone differently, but it helps people go, holy crap, I don't want to keep doing this because it's causing a lot of suffering and I deserve better. And I don't want this to keep negatively impacting me in my life. Right? Yeah. So, so then- Okay, I have two questions. For those listeners, let's say they want they they have childhood trauma, but also they're in this vicious cycle, of childhood trauma or difficult time, low self-esteem, all mm-hmm. of it. Because I know that sometimes childhood trauma is like thrown in every social media. Not everyone has trauma, but they can have mm-hmm. low self-esteem, etc. And at the same time, they're stuck in this vicious cycle of food and sugar and everything. Where uh, um, and they've done diets and everything, binge and diet, uh, binge mm-hmm. restrict. Where would you advise to start? Is it on the, with a therapist or maybe to stop the addiction or it's case by case? I think it differs for everybody. And I think everyone needs to pick. I think the number one key is get support. If you have the financial means to do so, please get support. If you've been struggling with this for years or decades, It is complex and there is a lot to break down and you could heal and overcome it a lot sooner by getting the right support. Now, let me clarify, because I think that there's a huge difference between coaching and therapy, but the biggest thing is that you pick somebody you feel safe and comfortable opening up to and that you feel there's a judgment-free zone and that you get support, accountability, tools, guidance, and you feel safe, okay? Because- if you don't feel safe, if you don't feel comfortable and you feel you're you're being judged by the person who's supposed to be helping you, you are not going to heal and you're not going to open up and you're probably not going to go back. And then you're going to get hard on yourself when you shouldn't. And I bring this up because the only one time that I reached out for support, I went and saw a psychologist and I shared with her everything that I was doing. And essentially her response was, well, just stop eating this, stop going to the store and buying the food and love yourself. And that felt horrible to feel so judged and and to get that kind of cold response from somebody. And not to mention, she hadn't gone through it herself. And she's like, yeah, I don't, I can't really, you know, meet you where you're at because I haven't gone through it. And I'm like, why are you then um, doing therapy on this if you honestly don't understand what it's even like? I encourage you to try and work with someone who's actually in understanding and has maybe been through it themselves. Um, And I just bring all this up because I've had so many women reach out to me 
who have gone to therapy and they've been seeing the same therapist for three, five, seven years, and they're still binge eating. It shouldn't take you that long. Yeah. If you are seeing somebody and you're still struggling, likely for this particular binge, emotional eating, food addiction, see somebody else for that. Maybe they're great for your relationship or a childhood trauma or something you've been through and they're serving a purpose for that. But if you've been seeing the same therapist or psychologist for years and you're not getting any traction with overcoming self-sabotage with food, it's time to see somebody else. Um, yeah, I, I can I do, Yeah. I can relate. I've done, so people tell me also the same, like, okay, the first therapist that I saw or the first coach or whatever, because we don't want to label one or the other, but I felt really judged, but then I tried someone else or some people, even they stop, they don't even try someone else. Yeah. Like, you mentioned this. And I think the biggest difference, and I want to bring this up because I think it's really important. Some people will go to so the different biggest differences between therapy and coaching therapy, usually you will go and you will talk and you will share what you're feeling. Maybe you talk about like the binge that you just went through and you talk, it's talk therapy. So you, you share, and then maybe they ask you some questions and you go back and forth and then you leave with yeah. coaching. It's like, what's going on, what happened, but let's explore your triggers. Let's build awareness. Let's explore your ego. And here's tools. Here's things yeah, you can actually please. take home with you. And hey, if you need me between your sessions, I'm available during these hours during the week for support and accountability. And I'm also going to lovingly call you out or call your ego out when when you're in resistance or right. So I find with coaching, it really makes a big difference because you're not just sitting there listening and going, okay, we'll see you next week. It's like, no, we actually want to shift this and heal this. So let's actually dig in and deal with it in baby steps in a loving way at a pace that feels good for the person. Yeah, so, with actions. Yeah. Yeah, with action too, and to help the person when they get stuck. Now, everyone has their own method. I'm not poo-pooing one over the other, but just through 10 years of experience, just do your homework and really use your intuition. And like, if the person has a podcast, go and try and listen to it and feel them out a bit. If you have questions, email them. It's great when someone offers like a 30 minutes to connect because then you can feel the person out and see if you feel comfortable with them. Um, so those are all just things like tips as far as if you're like shopping around to try and find someone yeah. to help you, things to kind of like look at, but you have to feel safe. That's the yeah. key. Yeah. And this is like almost like dating, you know, you try and yeah, it is. Yeah. It's important. I heard it and, you know, call her daddy. She, she says this in her podcast. <laughs> so I heard this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this was, so we said emotional, uh, hormonal, and then I want to talk about the digestive. Yeah. Because it's, I think, you know, no, like we don't talk enough about it. No. So what I see with digestion now, here's the thing people don't realize when your hormones are out of whack, it impacts your digestion. And like I said earlier, that in itself, if your cortisol is really high, you will likely end up with more sensitive digestion and just continue to feel like you feel more sensitive to more foods. More foods give you bloating, pain, discomfort. And that's because the more of a stress response your body is in, the more shut off your digestive system is because your circulation that's needed in your digestive core to help you digest is out in your limbs, getting ready to help you run away from the bear that is never there, right? That fight or flight response, we are getting ready to run away, but yeah. there's no bear, but it negatively impacts digestion. I also see many women on the run all the time. They're eating and driving. They're running out the door and grabbing their granola bar and like not even barely chewing it, right? So multitasking and eating, not taking your lunch break because you feel guilty, eating through or 
working through and eating, um, eating on the run, chewing your food too fast, all of this inhibits digestion. And this can cause bloating, pain, gas, discomfort. Again, it impacts the immune system. Um, you feel more bloated, more puffy, and then you're getting upset because you're bloated and it's uncomfortable and your pants don't fit properly or that dress doesn't fit. And now you don't want to go out and socialize and you get upset with your body. And this is a concept that takes time to soften toward, but the more upset and angry we get with our body for giving us symptoms, the more they flare up. Your body's not giving you symptoms because she's out to get you or because she hates you and she's trying to punish you. She's doing it because your body communicates to you with symptoms. This is how she communicates. So, and so as we start to become in tune and aware of our body and go, Oh, I actually was stressed and working and eating at the same time. And that made me bloated. Okay. Good learning. I'm going to set a healthy boundary, which is I'm going to start taking my lunch break, shutting off my work and eating mindfully and present without technology. Wow. I'm doing that. And now I'm not bloated anymore. What a difference. So we start to see that the body's trying to communicate to you with symptoms. Are you willing to listen? And to, to stop thinking she's out to get you because she's not. Your body unconditionally loves you. It's your mind that get program, gets programmed to hate the body and get upset and triggered. So we, so I think as you're hearing us go through this chat, the mastery of the mind is so vital to help gain relief of the physical symptoms and heal the relationship with food. So that's the first part. The second part with emotional eating, binge eating, right? The more of that we're doing, well, number one, we're eating larger volume of food. We're usually eating more processed foods, right? And this isn't a shame or guilt. I was binge eating through like six cupcakes and like two sandwiches and past like tables full of food. I ate until I was so full, I was sick, like $70, $80 every night. I, it's crazy. So I get it. Like I was a huge binge eater, but the volume, the quality of the food, we're not chewing it properly. We're usually watching TV or we're numbing out right in multiple ways while we're doing it. And all of this starts to stress out your digestive system in the stomach. So if we don't break our food down properly in the stomach, which is the main site of protein and fat breakdown, then the food goes into the stomach or the, sorry, the small intestine in two larger particles. And that starts to agitate the intestinal lining. And so then it gets inflamed. So when you get bloated and pain, that's the inflammation. That's the intestinal lining swelling up and flaring up because that food is not broken down enough. There's a lot of processed ingredients and the digestive system after a while is just like, what is this? I can't, I can't, I just, the bloating reaction comes online. Um, and the more we overeat and the more stress we have, the lower our stomach acid gets in the stomach. And that is what gives us heartburn, acid reflux, um, which can be course corrected naturally. But the lower that stomach acid, the less we have to break down our food. And then it, like I said, it goes into the small intestine and two larger particles. And if that happens for long enough, the intestinal lining will actually get thinner and permeable. And those little bits of food will poke microscopic holes. And then we end up with leaky gut. And then you've got bits of food and bacteria that shouldn't be leaking out into the bloodstream, going out into the bloodstream. And then your immune system's like, oh my gosh, this isn't supposed to be in the bloodstream. Let's go and attack it to get it out of the body. And then here's your immune system flaring up. And then it becomes overactive. So like we were talking about earlier. And then um, the last key piece here, in my opinion, because we could go into so many different things is the gut flora. So via antibiotic use, which yes, I get it. Sometimes we need them. Infections are no joke and we don't want to mess around, but sometimes antibiotics are handed out like candy as well. And I've gone through those experiences where my doctor's like, well, well you might have a UTI. You might not, but like, you might as well just take these anyway. And I'm like, if I, if I don't have one, I don't want to take these anyways. So 
antibiotic use, high sugar and alcohol intake, stress messes with our gut flora. And we have over like 800, no, eight pounds of bacteria in the large intestine, like hundreds or thousands of different variety. And they're responsible for helping us have good bowel movements, building energy, mood, all kinds of different things in the body. But when we kill all the good and bad with antibiotics, and then the bad takes over and we're feeding it with all the processed sugar and alcohol and stress, we end up with brain fog, chronic bloating, lower immunity, low sex drive, more skin breakouts, the moodiness. We can have more PMS symptoms, that cortisol goes through the roof, sugar cravings. So this unhealthy bacteria will make you crave sugar. Okay. It's also called candida yeast overgrowth. So when this happens, we will have a wide array of digestive sensitivities and bloating and more gas and pain and constipation or diarrhea. And this all gets very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. Trust me. I went through it. It was not fun, but this emotional eating and binge eating and the high stress fuel it and make it worse. So another good reason right? To start learning about your symptoms and learning about the connection between your relationship with food and your digestive system. The last piece I'll leave you with the gut. Yeah, it's very interesting. And um, I heard about the leaky gut and like, you know, Tim Spector, he's all about gut health and he has a lot of data showing it even affects our mood and everything. Oh gosh. Well, yeah, because we produce serotonin in the gut. And if we have a compromised gut, we're not producing enough serotonin and our mood's lower, right? And we produce dopamine in the brain, which is other feel-good hormone. And if we have low serotonin, we we have less likelihood of a steady mood. And then we're reaching for sugar or for processed food or that quick fix meal or alcohol or online shopping to get that dopamine high, which is a quick fix, a quick high, but then we drop again. Um, So this is where working on our gut, working on our mindset, healing our relationship with food and our body are so important because it regulates your mood. You will feel better than you ever have before because now your serotonin can regulate and you can produce more of it and your dopamine levels can regulate as well. Mm. Um, I want to share one other thing because I think your listeners and you will appreciate this. The last thing about the gut that people don't realize especially if you don't like your stomach, you're like, Oh, I want my stomach to be flat or look at, I wish it looked like it did in the magazines, right? This was me all growing up and yeah. through my food addiction. I'm like, I just want a flat stomach. Why? Yeah, never, yeah, yeah. No matter how hard I work out, like I have this little yeah, bit yeah, yeah. on my lower abdomen. Right. And here, here's the thing is I just was like comparing my body and projecting all this hatred, this negativity, yeah. this frustration, these negative emotions toward my digestive region. So another reason we'll have gut issues is because we're projecting all of this negative emotion and rejection toward this part of you that's literally giving you life. Yeah. And so my gut issues were not just from emotional eating, but this negative connection I had with this part of me. So this is where the self-acceptance is very important because as a woman, honestly, maybe you have the body shape where you naturally have a flatter stomach or a more toned, you know, abdomen. But for a lot of women, Hey, we have a womb, we have a bladder down there. We've got a colon. Like there is a lot of very important organs that need to be protected. So we're going to have a little bit of lower belly fat and that's okay because they're literally protecting some of the most vital parts of our body. Mm, So, so how can we love and accept and appreciate because we're not necessarily meant to have these super flat stomachs and to see our abs. It's not healthy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I I really love how you 
um, describe the body as a she? Is it something that you decided to do or is it? Uh... It just came naturally. It was just like, well, this is my body. She is my beautiful vessel that I'm living this life in. And I just started to refer to I'm going to start doing that. Because like, in my she, mind, it's yeah. a he. And like, maybe, yeah, it's like, especially in this uh, society, patriarchal society. Yeah. Pressure and everything. If, if you start sh- shifting to she, it's like, oh, wow, actually, you know, it's like. Yeah. It's different. She has your back and she really is not, she doesn't want you to suffer. But when we are in the self-sabotage, she's, and we get all these symptoms, your body's just trying to get your attention, go, Hey, how loud do I need to get before you do something about this? Can you please, she's, she wants to teach you and help you heal so that you can reconnect with her. That's what it's about. The symptoms are not to be numbed and avoided. No, be like, listen, just like a guide. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so let's, uh, very interesting, let's wrap up with the uh, what we said, the tools and things you can do for the upcoming season. I've marked something, you said the self-care practice, like uh, journaling or screaming at a pillow, that's what I, I heard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the saying no. Um, the important thing I want to ask you is uh, advice or things about processed food and sugar and everything, especially for people that have maybe not a clinical eating disorder but like you know emotional eating what's good for like yeah how to yeah what's good let's not say good or bad what is an advice for them in terms of consumption of chocolate either for them or for their kids yeah so I think this is where the slippery slope comes in because there's some people that are so addicted to it that they start eating it and they can't stop. Mm. So it's like, where are you on the spectrum of emotional eating? Are you, is it that you have one and then maybe you pick at it through the day and have a few and then you feel guilty? Is it that you start and then you can't stop? Because that's going to dictate so many different things. If you're the full blown sugar addict who is constantly losing control, I'd highly suggest that you get support to overcome this because I was in this state and it took me a long time to realize that I was very addicted to sugar and the less of it I could have in my environment, it helped me like heal. Cause I tried having it at home and I was just losing control versus if it's someone that's like, well, it's here and I'm having a bit of it, but it's, I'm not binging my way through. Well, then I think part of it is around being aware of what triggers you to want to go to the food. Is it visually seeing it? Do you get, do you have cravings? Do you know the difference between physical and emotional hunger, physical hunger? Like I have a stomach growl, I'm getting a hunger signal. I've been eaten in a few hours. And if that's the case, I'm not going to have sh- chocolate for lunch. I'm going to have a nourishing meal ideally. And then if I still want something after grab that piece, sit down, eat it slowly and mindfully, really enjoy it and savor it. When we bring mindfulness into both our nourishment and our indulgence, we're more satiated emotionally and physically and far less likely to want to overdo it. Okay. Yeah, I did. Uh, in my my previous guest, he's a he works in research and academics on emotional eating. Nice. He asked me to bring a Kit Kat in the call, and uh, he did like mindfulness exercise on yeah. like crunch. Say see how you you feel it, and like it was more enjoyable, you know, than oh for sure. Yeah. And it's interesting what you're saying about the addictions, because also another guest I had, Dr. Sarah Hamich, is an endocrinologist, and in her book, it's not her that found the gene, but there is a gene uh, that you can, uh, it can get mutated or not, 
that makes you more like you it's harder for you to stop processed food or sugar and things like that and she says in order you don't need to test to know if you have the mutation or not but if you're the only one in the family that can't stop eating you know everyone's like like you're at a party everyone had one piece of cake or whatever and you can't stop probably you have this mutation so it's better not to start right so i like to challenge stuff like that yeah, the genetic yeah, stuff because I think regardless of what kind of gene mutations yeah. we have or whatever, like the body is always trying to heal. And this emotional eating, food addiction, binge eating, whatever you want to call it, is a huge mindset game and physical imbalances game. So mm -hmm. before I just go, oh, well, I have this gene thing, so I yeah. better avoid everything or I have this gene thing, so I'm never going to heal it. Because to me, that sounds so permanent. Yeah. Like I have this genetic thing. I'm never going to heal this. No, that's all false. So to me, it's like, it's no, like, like I'm doomed anyone can heal yeah. and fully overcome emotional eating, binge eating, binging and purging food addiction, in my opinion, because I've helped so many women do so. Don't let anyone ever tell you because of this thing you can't, because you're letting others plant limiting beliefs and negative thoughts in your mind that are blocking you from your freedom, healing and happiness. And I am so honestly sick and tired of clients coming to me and saying, yeah, my doctor told me I'm going to be fatigued forever. My doctor oh, told wow. me that this is yeah. that I'm never going to heal this, that I'm just like, I've gained weight. And because I'm over 35, like I'm never going to lose, lose it. Like, no, don't listen to that stuff. Your body's always trying to heal. It's just that we get in the way and others telling us false things get in the way. So mm -hmm. just to give you a word of empowerment, if you've been told any of this. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. It's like, uh, my, I used to think, oh, my body's doomed. My body can't yeah, wait like we do. Yeah. 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 We get into that victimhood negative mentality because we've been told by so many people in society and it's so false. The body's always healing. Yeah. Always. But we need to get it of our own way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Especially as a like last words. You can yes. do it. You are yes. like we're empowering. Hopefully you are empowered to to do that and it was the aim of the it was the aim of the whole episode to to let you feel empowered for the holiday seasons and the rest so thank you amber if people want to hear more about you where they where can they find you yeah so you can go to my website at amberapproved.ca i have a free emotional eating quiz there if you're wondering if you're struggling you can take that and you'll get some awesome episodes of my podcast to help you out you can also listen to the podcast the no sugar coding podcast at amberapproved.ca as well as any major podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, et cetera. Um, and I'm on Instagram. My name is Amber Romaniuk, R-O-M-A-N-I-U-K. And if you really want to, you know, dive in and explore, you know, working on emotional eating or any of these things, I have plenty of little masterclasses and programs and support is available. Um, but yeah, just know you're not alone and you can totally heal this. Thank you so much.